Hey everyone, it's me, it's Arnaldo. You've probably noticed there haven't been a whole lot of new episodes coming out recently. We've been on a bit of a hiatus while I finish my school studies, but pretty soon things will be right back on track. We've actually recorded two episodes that I just can't find time to edit. But as you've also probably noticed, the last thing we put out was a preview for Where's Mephisto, our Patreon exclusive podcast. So what I thought I would do for right now is do the same thing again. Uh, right now on Where's Mephisto, we are talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And for the finale episode, I invited Chris and his wife Angela to talk about the finale and Star Wars in general. And what happened was that we talked for three hours. So here is part one of episode six of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Part two will be available on our Patreon probably in a day or two and on here maybe in a few weeks i don't know so enjoy uh and if you want more of this if you like where's mephisto that's on our patreon and that's linked below thanks welcome to where's mephisto this is your bonus podcast where we watch whatever's currently streaming and ask the burning question on everyone's mind where the fuck is mephisto i don't know he must be controlling everything from behind the scenes right (laughs) So, if you're here, you know who we are, you know what we do, so let's get going, but first, we have two special guests. Me and Birdo, obviously, um, as usual, but Chris is here from the Assembly Required Podcast. Hello, everyone. You listen to us, you should know who he is, he's been on two other episodes of Films from the Phantom Zone, but he is a big Star Wars nerd, so I was like, would you like to come and talk Star Wars? And I said, yes, please. And then I was like, do you want to bring your wife? Angela's here. Hello. And from what I hear, you are a very big Star Wars fan. Correct. Do you want to talk about that at all? Sure. So I was around nine years old when The Phantom Menace came out in 1999. And to prep for it, my father showed me the original trilogy um, that he had on VHS. Uh, So that was kind of how I got acclimated with Star Wars. And The Phantom Menace was the first film I saw Star Wars film that I saw in theaters, and I became so obsessed with it, especially with Queen Amidala. She was my everything, and I saw it four times in theaters, and I think that's still the most times I've ever seen a movie in theaters. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) My parents were very kind to go along with that for me. Um, My birthday party was themed after her, and then, like, it just, the obsession went from there, and... nice. Um, so I've been a prequel stand since the beginning, and this series very much touched my heart and made me feel justified for <laughs> liking the prequels <laughs> when everyone hated it, and now I guess it's cool to like the prequels, but no, I, I love all things Star Wars. Like, I might have my qualms here and there with certain decisions that were made of, you know, whether we're talking about the sequels or the Disney Plus shows or whatever, but all in all, it's just super fun. I love when they used to do Star Wars weekends at Hollywood Studios. That was a great event. That was so cool. I so it cool. So, much. so fun. Yeah. I've never been to a Star Wars celebration, but I hope I get to go someday. That's a couple in Orlando, right? I think so. Ago, yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't get to go to that one, but the, I remember when they had it in Orlando last time, they had a shirt that said, Welcome to Orlando, and I had a picture of Lando. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm really happy to be here to get to talk about Star Wars. I've only the only other podcast I've done is uh, Assembly Required to talk about Marvel, which I also love. But Star Wait, Wars you were on Squad Up back love. when that existed. True. Yeah. True. Talk which episode were you on? 
Uh, that was when we talked about Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. Oh, okay. I meant um, something required. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I was like, assembly- oh, that's a new MCU one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we talked about, let's see, I was on the Captain Marvel episode. Okay. And the Winter Soldier. I think I did all I think, of the I think Captain you've been on America all the Captain America episodes. episodes. Yes. Okay. You were on then, a couple what ifs, a couple one, uh, one or two one divisions. And I was on the Endgame episode. Yes. Because like everyone who'd ever been on Assembly <laughs> Required was on that one. Okay. So like a recurring guest role. Yeah. yeah. Just like here and there. Um, I have my eyes on hopefully being on the uh, Multiverse of Madness. Oh, you will be. One because I have <laughs> thoughts. Yes. <laughs> oh. <So>. Good <laughs> thoughts? I know it's not, Honestly, not topic, good, but. good and bad, but okay. I have disagreements with my spouse about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you know how fun. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> you might be on our side of that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I can interject a little bit about her prequels love in particular. First of all, I might have mentioned this on the podcast before here, but we got married on May the 4th. Right. But she did not tell me until after the wedding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that... On the little uh, programs that they gave out at the church, uh-huh. uh, she designed that. On the little program at the church, there's little designs in the background, and I thought they were just like fancy, like stylized flirtily. Mm-hmm. No, it was the Naboo royal symbol. Oh my god! <laughs> and she didn't tell me until after the wedding, and I was like, there. you know, if she had told me beforehand, I would have been like, yeah, no, that's cool, do it. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but I was. Almost late to... I almost missed your wedding. I made it seconds before it began. (laughs) So I did not see that program. So I couldn't get an Uber. Like, they were just all not, like, happening. And I had no other way of getting there. I get there, and, like, I know better than to, like, walk in during a ceremony. So I was like, okay, if I miss it, I miss it. Like, whatever. I'll go to the reception. No one will ever know. I'll just sit outside the church. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) as everyone comes, I'll just make my way and be like, oh, my God, that was beautiful. Um, (laughs) I cried. So, like, I I open up the side door, and I swear to God, I saw you in your wedding dress. And I immediately went, oh, no, close the door (laughs) and ran in a different door. (laughs) I see a bunch of people looking at a white dress, and I was like, this is not where I need to be. (laughs) Go in the other door. Nothing had started. Yeah, Yeah, nothing had started. So I just, I ran and took the first pew I could. And then here comes the bride. I was on time. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what? I appreciate you. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. I, I, I swear to God, I would have I would have sat out had I been any later. Uh, speaking of friends of ours. You also had the wherewithal to see the dress and go, I should go through a different door. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me, but... Um, also, uh, our good friend was... He pulled the same stunt at my wedding. Yes, I don't know he if you did. remember. That's right. I remember that. Oh, I, yeah. I was. We were lining up, and I see him, and I'm like... Oh, you need to go sit down right now, buddy. It's good to see you, though. And he was like, y- yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he drove straight down from South Carolina. Yep. And straight back after the reception. Insane. What? Yes. He should have just taken a room. Yeah. So back on topic, actually, I had a follow-up question to what you were saying. What uh, Queen Amidala-themed birthday party, what is your favorite outfit from episode one? Because I believe there's like eight or nine of them. <laughs> it would be the red invasion dress. The dress she wears at the beginning. That's the bit with the big, the hair that goes like this. Yes. Okay. <laughs> For those um, of you at and home. And it has those yes. little like teardrop shaped like peacock things at the bottom yeah. that light up. That glow, yeah. That glow. And I don't know. And I love like the shots of her like looking out the window, looking at the invasion happening mm-hmm. and looking sad. And That's stuff. the background on your phone, right? That, yes. I think. 
also her like in her throne when she's looking sad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Looking sad. <laughs> no, but I, I love when she just kind of hands it back to Newt Gunray and stuff. And, um, oh, yeah. You know, just how strong she is in that moment. But all her outfits are super cool. I, I just love her wardrobe through all three films. I was always surprised that, like, they didn't, I don't think they got nominated for, like, an Academy Award for costuming. They really should have for if they weren't. For episode one, at least. Like, episode yeah. one went off the rails. What uh-huh. else was going on in 99 with, like, crazy costumes? I don't know. No, was that Shakespeare in Love? Because yeah. they love period pieces. They do. They love yeah. important movies. Uh, uh-huh. Costumes yeah. in important movies, which feels like, okay, easy to tailor. Come the on. The original Star Wars was nominated for so many Oscars. I was looking at this the other day, yeah. I think, because we were talking about yeah. it. Alec Guinness was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I don't know if I ever actually knew. I must have huh. known that and forgotten that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was nominated and for Best Picture. I mean, obviously, everybody knows it lost to Annie Hall, you know, <laughs> which uh, a decision that aged very well because we all still love Woody Allen. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had another follow up question because I wanted to ask you about what it was like being a little girl Star Wars fan because I growing up, I don't think I knew any. And like a lot of like the online discourse and backlash to this is, as usual, you got the new Star Wars stuff, the Disney stuff that is more equally represented Mm -hmm. uh, between men and women and people of color, unlike kind of the originals, which was like a lot of white dudes, Mm -hmm. one black dude and one woman, (laughs) right? Right. (laughs) Growing up, it was just kind of like, you know, we're, we're all probably similar ages. It was Star Wars is for boys and and not for girls. And I don't know any girls growing up that were Star Wars fans. It wasn't until like high school that I made friends with a Star Wars fan who was a girl. Hey guys, it's time for a quick break and we will be back in a flash. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. I definitely felt like an outlier. Like, I I don't really recall any friends of mine who were girls who were Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone really, like, badly teased me about it. But I think people were kind of like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? Like, they thought it was funny that I was so into Star Wars. Like, because I was... So into Star Wars. I wrote a paper about Queen Amidala in like sixth grade. Whoa, I mentioned nice. I love you. I still have it somewhere. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if I knew that. <laughs> like, You got any fan fiction somewhere in like no. a cardboard box in the attic? <laughs> no, she saved that for Hey Arnold. <laughs> yeah, the only fan fiction I've ever written was Hey Arnold. <laughs> That's awesome. That I did know. Um, could, I, could I get a synopsis? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I feel like people were just sort of like, that's cute that you like Star Wars, but they didn't, people didn't, there were no friends of mine that were like in on it with me. Uh And I don't even remember like boys around me that were super into Star Wars or anything. I mean, the big thing back then was like Pokemon and SpongeBob was gaining traction, but like, I don't remember anyone else obsessing over Star Wars the way I was when the prequels were coming out. 
And I remember getting annoyed that, like, the time that other girls my age were starting to get into Star Wars was, like, because Hayden Christensen was in the prequels and he was selling cute. He's so dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I was mad because I was like, he's not good at acting. He's butchering <laughs> these, you know. But, but then, you know, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, also those lines are terrible. So it's not really yeah, <laughs> entirely his fault. Can't totally blame Hayden yeah. on that. And <laughs> I love him now. Like, I'm definitely one of those people that was not like mean on the internet or anything. Also, the internet wasn't really as much of a thing back then, but it was just my own private feelings that (laughs) I was not a fan of what he did with the role. But as time has gone on and I've been able to kind of marinate (laughs) on it (laughs) and just seeing like what a sweet guy he is and how excited he was to come back for this, my thoughts have shifted about him. Like two and three, the prequels are still kind of cringy with the dialogue, but... You overlook it for nostalgia's sake. <laughs> you really do. I, I've said this at like the reason episode three is the best one of the trilogy. And, and I mean, it's the best one for a multitude of reasons, mm-hmm. but it's also because you're already primed to this. So like the dialogue and the acting and, and kind of this Shakespearean dialogue that isn't landing, like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't bother you as much. You don't really notice it as much because you you're already like. You've already marinated on it, right. basically. Like, I do feel it was a little toned down from like episode two, though. The romance subplots, the dialogue's yeah. so bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My aunt always thought it was funny that um, that scene uh, in episode two where Padme and Anakin are sitting in this like dark room with like a fireplace crackling <laughs> in the background, and she's wearing this skin tight black leather like corset outfit with like oh, it's her definitely a shoulders <laughs> bared and everything and she's like telling him we can't do this like you're a jedi i'm a senator and like the way she says it with like this outfit on that's very you know provocative it's provocative but like and of course then i found out that that was like the one outfit that george lucas designed himself of course it was uh. <laughs> it, it's like when you find out that george lucas's favorite clone wars arc is the void <laughs> he's a weird he's like kind of, of course it was duck, right? what else could it have been <laughs> he's, he's weird he had his fingers in everything yeah. which part is part of what makes star wars great mm-hmm. because it's his baby and he really crafted this universe but like there are just certain aspects of the filmmaking process that i feel like he maybe needed to step back a little bit yeah, yeah. And let the ex- experts do their thing because you never people don't really cosplay as that outfit that she wears in that scene like that's one of the less surprisingly memorable like, not, ones yeah i don't think it's a bad outfit i think it's cool but to your point like maybe they don't like the scene i think i've seen a bit of a revisionist take on that lately when people if it's what i'm thinking over people pointing out that it looks like the dress mm-hmm. is choking her it does have like a choker aspect yeah to it. it was she has foreshadowing yeah. exactly <laughs> she has a was choker. it really who knows no it, it did have a choker like kind of a it was like a scarf thing right was, yeah. yeah yeah and it dangled down a little bit too i think to like accentuate cleavage yeah <laughs> yeah because george Some, designed it. something for dad <laughs> yeah i was gonna take that somewhere oh oh i've said uh i don't know to whom i've said this to maybe some people in this room i think across the stars the, the musical piece that mm-hmm. plays around that part of the movie tells the love story better than any of the movie does. Mm-hmm. Correct. If <laughs> you were to like mute the dialogue and just let the music, mm-hmm. if you made our music video out of it, 
it would tell the story better. Well, let me tell you, for anyone listening that owns the hard, like, CD copy of the soundtrack to Revenge of the Sith, it came with an extra disc. This is deep. (laughs) That it's like a little DVD that has, it has, like, music videos, essentially, for the whole saga with, like, the big themes over it. Uh Uh-huh. Ian McDermott is, like, the host. Like, he kind of introduces each one, and Across the Stars is one of them. And he talks about in this, whatever you want to call it, film (laughs) set of music videos that Star Wars is basically, like, a space opera. It's, like, that you could tell the whole story through music, and you would still know what was happening. If you cut out all the dialogue and just let the music play over the visuals, you would absolutely know Mm -hmm. what was happening. 100%. Across the stars specifically, there's there's all these. Mo- I mean, it's obviously it's beautiful, and there's the oboe that opens and closes it. Mm-hmm. But like in the middle, it gets very imperial. It yeah. gets very dun, imperial dun, march. Dun, dun. Bum ba dum, bum ba dum. Oh, well, have you ever heard the analysis of it? It sounds like the kind of thing John Williams probably would have thought of. But the way it starts, it, it's actually a combination of Leia's theme and Luke's theme, aka the main Star Wars theme. Because mm-hmm. it starts off with a da da, which is it's a minor version of the interval that starts Leia's theme, which is the you know bum bum. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a minor version of that, and then it goes into the da 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 da, da which is like ba 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 ba. So if you take yeah. Leia's theme and Luke's theme and mash them together and make it a little sad, and you get across the stars, uh, which is just a really cool analysis uh, i think if you know if if that was intended or not it works so well that it feels like it was meant to be that way anyway it might and, have been intended by john williams i don't know if lucas intended yeah that. yeah john williams <laughs> no, right. seems very, very thoughtful about how he does does that kind of thing yeah. so i would not surprise me at all if that was his intention and it's really such a cool thing i don't know any of the behind the scenes of the relationship between george lucas and john williams but i always felt and again, this is me just guessing, shot in the dark, that maybe the one time or the one component of Star Wars where George Lucas was fairly hands off and just kind of, you know, gives a project to John Williams and be like, do your magic, mm-hmm. like make this exquisite. Yeah. Angela, you're the, the biggest John Williams fan I know. I Remind me, did Steven Spielberg introduce John Williams to George Lucas or was yes. it the other way around? Okay. Mm. Yeah. And I think I, it was because Spielberg had just worked with him on oh um close encounters of the third kind mm. right yeah and jaws i don't remember the timeline of yeah i, I think it was jaws and then close close encounters was the first. same year as star wars because yeah. they were nominated for oscars so he's like hey you gotta get johnny williams yeah yeah because <laughs> george was like all right <laughs> because that year i when i was looking at the oscars recently john williams won best score for star wars beating himself in the category for Close Encounters. Right. Um, the correct choice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Close Encounters, I mean, great. I love how they work the actual music into the plot yeah. of that movie, but Star Wars, absolutely the right choice. Bringing it to John Williams just a little bit. Uh, this is something I learned in the E.T. Adventure queue at Universal Studios. <laughs> um, they show like the behind the scenes yeah. like DVD stuff from like the 20th anniversary DVD of E.T. there, but there's a little segment with John Williams, and they talk about Spielberg's relationship with him, which I think is very interesting, where like Spielberg's going over to his house to listen to the themes and stuff. They talk about the flight theme, you know, the da 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 da. Mm-hmm. The way John Williams normally works, he's like, "Show me the film, and I will conduct to the film." 
and he just could not get it to work in that scene where the bikes take off. And Spielberg said, you play it. I will re-edit it to work with how you uh, with how you conduct nice. it. Nice, yeah. Because I want this music. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's it's a very int- we forget sometimes how collaborative film is yeah. as a medium, and yeah. it's just really cool when game recognized game. You know, when you know Spielberg, <laughs> who's one of the all time greats, and John Williams, one of the all time greats, and Spielberg knows I got to get out of your way. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna make this better than I could. You know, yeah. I just think that's really cool. And I will direct to your music. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when you look at the prequels, that's such a great example. How would those movies be remembered if we didn't get Duel of the Fates oh. and Across oh the Stars God, yeah. and Battle of the Heroes? The prequels have some of the best overall scores in the entire yeah, Star Wars saga, I, I, I do believe. Agree 100%. And part of that is just by virtue of the fact that he had the original trilogy themes to build off of. Because mm-hmm. uh, I always talk about Attack of the Clones is probably my least favorite Star Wars movie. I say probably only because I have not revisited Rise of Skywalker since it was in theaters. <laughs> um, but I still distinctly and vividly remember how I felt in the theater the last shot of the clone army as the Imperial mm-hmm. March is playing. I just got goosebumps just talking about it, <laughs> yep. you know, and the music sold that. So part of the, the, the greatness of the prequels is because of the scores of the prequels is that he was able to build off of his original trilogy of themes. But at the same time, he introduced so many incredible new themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so really I, it's hard to say like, if I like, if you're ranking the, the, trilogy's scores i don't know if i would necessarily put the prequels ahead of the originals but there is a very solid argument to do that yeah i'm with you there well because each one of them has like a standout like piece Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like phantom menace duel the fates Uh uh attack of the clones across the stars and then you know revenge of the sith you have uh the jedi temple march and you have battle of the heroes yeah yeah so and the weird space worm opera too. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good though. Yeah. Did you forget that, that slaps. one? <laughs> <laughs> I was like you, but I'm a couple years older than you, Angela. I guess because my introduction to Star Wars was the special editions in '97 because those came out in theaters, mm-hmm. uh, and they put them out like every six months or something like that. And uh, that's, you know, that's when a lot of kids my age were getting into Star Wars. But something I, I had noticed musically, too, even at that age, is by episode one, he brought in a choir for the first time. Yeah. For mm-hmm. for Phantom Menace, for uh, a Duel, of the Fates. Duel of the Fates. And it hits you like a ton of bricks. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is just such, like, it is so powerful. And moving it to this show, again, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, that's um, what this is about. <laughs> that's what, that's what we're talking about. That's Star Wars in general. I mean, yeah. I, we, we could do Star Wars I in general. Love, I fine. would talk about Star Wars all day. But I think one of the reasons I was probably more excited about this show than anything else was the trailers and the trailers incorporated. Oh, yeah. Duel mm-hmm. of the Fates and Battle of the Heroes. Yep. And if, you, if you've heard Filoni talk about Duel of the Fates. Oh, and, yes. And why it's so important, why that one battle is actually so important, that duel isn't so much you know, that they're fighting for their lives or they're fighting Jedi versus Sith is because it's thematically a fight for the future of Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Putting those two pieces in the trailer, which is like the beginning of the fight for Anakin Skywalker and then Battle of the Heroes, which is the end of the fight for Anakin mm-hmm. Skywalker, mashed up in a fucking one minute 
trailer just blew me away. I think I watched it like six times. Mm-hmm. And I think if I had a complaint about this show musically is that it doesn't have that and it doesn't need it mm-hmm. like a show like this shouldn't be recycling all the same themes just because like there are musical cues that we're going to get into in this episode yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but you know yeah it's it's fine that it just doesn't have you know duel of the fates and battle of the heroes but those musically those pieces are so connected with these stories that it's weird to see them without it you know i wonder if that was intentional because kind of the fight already has been lost for anakin skywalker so like the stakes aren't there anymore Mm. that it wouldn't justify having one of those pieces back in there or something comparable to it. I can see that. And it's very subdued. The music in that battle scene, if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. I only saw it once. Yeah. We watched it earlier today and yeah, it, it's perfect music for it, that scene. It I think. did bring back some choral elements. I did make a note of that when I was oh, okay, watching okay. and I was like, okay, I see what she's doing. Cause yeah. it's, it evokes duel of the fates and battle of the heroes, but without I, like rehashing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's a different kind of fight. It's a fight really more for Obi-Wan to get closure about Anakin yeah. mm-hmm. and to kind of find his way back to the light. That is the force. Mm hmm. It's interesting that with the Disney Plus live action series, at least so far, so we've had two seasons of Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and now Obi-Wan Kenobi. They've been very intentional, I think, especially this show and Mandalorian, about holding off on using the familiar themes until they, like, want to get you. You know, they (laughs) want to deploy Like, we did not hear an original... Like a, a theme from the Star Wars films until season two of The Mandalorian. And the first one was so subtle that I didn't even notice it. It was the Resistance March. Oh. Yeah. When, oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. It's all, when Mando's on the ice yeah. planet and he's rescued by the New Republic X-Wings. The arrangement is such that unless you're listening to it, you're not going to realize it. Right. Now, more obviously, in the Ahsoka episode, we got Yoda's theme when she's talking about Yoda. I think we got a bit of the Force theme there. If we didn't there, then we definitely did in the finale when Luke showed up. Yeah. And we also got Ahsoka's yeah. theme from the Clone Wars mm-hmm. and Rebels, oh. which was really cool. Okay. I didn't um, know that. But the entire first season of Mandalorian, there are no pre-existing Star Wars themes. It's like all original yeah. stuff. And it's great stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, um, and then in this, I think there might have been some elements of some of the Imperial stuff from the first Star Wars. I could be wrong about that. Well, when the Star Destroyer is chasing uh Yeah, the, we got the... Yeah. And I can't remember if there, were, there was anything previously, mm-hmm. but I know in this episode is when we finally started getting some of that Star Wars stuff, because we got that. We finally got that. We got the Imperial March. We got Leia's theme. We got the Force themes. I know we're all going to talk about that. Later on, we go through the episode summary, but oh, no, again, you're doing the assembly required. I am doing thing. the assembly required we'll thing, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we don't do that nearly as much as we used to now that we're caught up <laughs> with the MCU. <laughs> it used to be like we were on our Thor episode, and we'd be like, "Oh yeah," but we'll talk about that, you know, in our Dark World episode. <laughs> but yeah, they really waited until this final episode to start using the Williams themes that we've been, you know, waiting for, and I think it's intentional. Mm-hmm. I was like, we know what you're waiting to hear. <laughs> We're going to hold on until it's just the right moment to make you most emotional, which they definitely did to me in this episode. <laughs> steady. And then it just steady. hits you like a ton of bricks. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. 
I hear that uh, that fifth interval of Leia's theme, and I'm like, oh, here come the tears. You yep, know, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back on track real quick. Not that this is not fun. Um, <laughs> you guys that uh, you haven't been here talking to us about Obi Wan Kenobi, can you give me your overall thoughts, parts one through five thus far? Before we start on this part six, well, I've really enjoyed it the whole way through. I remember feeling like giddy watching the first episode mm-hmm. because I was just like, oh my gosh, it's little Leia. And it's, you know, we're seeing Ewan again as Obi-Wan. You know, there's Uncle Owen and there's the homestead and little Luke. And oh my gosh, he looks like little Anakin. And seeing Vader again, all this stuff, like it was just, it was so cool to be like, we're back, you know? And yeah. And seeing where everyone is at this point in time. And plus the fact that little Leia had been kept a secret yes. this whole time. And it's, I was kind Great of com- trailer. comparing it to how they kept the child a secret. Mm-hmm. Like, that's amazing that they were able to keep that under wraps until the show finally aired. And same with this. Like, I was fully expecting because of the trailer that it was going to be little Luke that we would see the most and that he would develop some kind of, you know, relationship with Obi-Wan and that's how he like knows of him and all of that in a new hope. I had no clue they were bringing in Leia to this and even less of a clue that they would continue on with her, that she wasn't just part of the first episode, that she was going to be like the main companion throughout the whole series with Obi-Wan. And I was just so, like giddy about that <laughs> the whole mm-hmm. time especially because i mean leia had so many cool things that she did in the original trilogy and in the sequels but she never fully got her shining moment part of that unfortunately is due to the passing of carrie fisher yeah episode nine 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 rise of skywalker <laughs> that was supposed to be like leia's movie mm, like yeah. we had han's movie with force awakens we had luke's movie with Last Jedi, and that was kind of devastating. I'm glad we did still get some of that in that movie, but it was cool with this series that then they could kind of give Leia some more, like, and just show us, like, kind of how she came to be the character we all know and love from the original trilogy, and that she was kind of always that way. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I know there were people who nitpicked at her dialogue and, you know, what 10 year old says that or whatever. And first of all, have these people a talked to ten year olds? Yeah, and B, that's right. Seriously, watched Hey Arnold because it, <laughs> like those are nine year old kids in that show, and the stuff they say is wild, especially Helga Pataki. And if we all liked that show when we were nine to ten years old, then clearly, yeah, that's how yeah. ten year olds think. Like, kids are smarter than than people give them credit for. Yeah, absolutely. I firmly believe that, especially precocious little girls. Uh huh. Yeah. They're, Especially a princess who's highly educated. Yeah. Right. Just years b- beyond their wisdom. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Leia had some, you know, zingers in this, and it was great. I <laughs> loved it. And the way that Obi-Wan just kind of caved to her, <laughs> especially in the second episode, and like when she started picking up the gloves, and he was like, You don't need those. Like, we're not doing that. And she just kept putting them on like she wasn't listening to him. And he says to the merchant, And the gloves, please. <laughs> like, that was perfect. So, yeah, I honestly, I was fully enjoying the whole series. There wasn't really a moment where I was like, oh, that was a rough episode. Like, I've had a lot of fun with this. <laughs> yeah. It took me a long time to realize that Star Wars had the potential to be bad. 
<laughs> like that's how much I love Star Wars growing up. I was just like, it also took me a long time to realize, and I'm not stupid. I, I as a kid, I know that Star Wars is fake and it's fabricated and it's someone it's produced. Someone wrote it. In my head, Star Wars is like an adaptation of a book that's existed for a long time and they're just putting it on. You know what I mean? Like there's no room for it just feels so definite. Mm-hmm. Like for me it feels like it's a, no this is a documentary. Mm-hmm. These are real events that happened somewhere. We don't know. We weren't there. It's a long time ago, far far away. It's canon. Right? But it is canon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I think people like us won't look at this and go well, you know, the blocking and all that dialogue and all <laughs> these other talking com- about? Like, right. We're just like, oh, this is this is what Obi-Wan was up to. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's very much like, no, I'm having way too much fun to even notice these things because yeah. they are nitpicks. That's how I've felt about all criticisms so thus far on the show. You're nitpicking or maybe this isn't for you. And you're not enjoying it. But stop peeing in our fucking cornflakes because we're having a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, similar to her. I, I've really just enjoyed this show from the beginning. And shout out to little Leia. I'm blanking on the actress's name, unfortunately, right Vivian now. Vivian Lyra Blair. Thank you. I knew you would help nice. me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I could count on you. If you showed me a clip of her, even take away the costume and everything, and just have her delivering the lines, I would go, oh, she's playing Leia. You know, I, I think she nailed it. She did such a great job. But I've thoroughly enjoyed this show. You know, some episodes more than others. I can admit, oh, you know, this episode maybe not as good as the others, but for me, they were all still good. And it's made me realize what a sucker I am for Star Wars, I think, in that I just... I actually, when they announced this show, I was like, there is a lot of potential here for them to screw this up. Oh, yeah. And do really bad. I I was like... (laughs) It wouldn't make sense for Obi-Wan to meet Darth Vader, uh, you know, between now and then. It wouldn't make sense for him to leave Tatooine. He was in exile. No, they made it all make sense to me, and they made it all work. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about how they left things, you know, after this episode. But first of all, you put Darth Vader on screen, and I'm instantly five years old and go, no, yeah, yeah, give this to me. This oh, is yeah. great. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm here for it. But they managed to make it work in a way that... I'm very excited. We rewatched the prequels uh, leading up to when the show came out, as well as certain episodes of Clone Wars. We don't, we, we've watched all of Clone Wars. We've watched all of Rebels before. We rewatched specifically some of the major Obi-Wan arcs in okay. Clone Wars, as well as the, uh, the final Siege of Mandalore arc, even though Obi-Wan's not quite as big a part of that one. It's still in, important. It's still important. <laughs> But for me, at least, it was the first time I'd watched the prequels since watching The Clone Wars. And it was really cool. And it really does make Order 66 hit harder. I'm very sad about Plo Koon. Uh, <laughs> me <you> know, too. <laughs> uh, um, I've always had a soft spot for Kit Fisto. Just just because... Uh, he never comes he out. Know, yeah, I don't and know, now he'll never ta- come out. <laughs> yeah. The, it, it was a running gag at Star Wars weekends at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And they back when they do that, they had the show, The Hyperspace Hoopla which was just this big comedy show that Lucasfilm does not allow anymore <laughs> because the edict from on high is that Star Wars is fun, not funny. Uh, yeah, the, you're, not allowed, you're not allowed to make fun of it anymore. Yeah, this is, this is a thing I've actually heard from uh, people I know who used to work for Disney Creative Entertainment, who are the, they write all the shows that are in the parks. And uh, apparently when Lucasfilm and Disney merged, 
uh, Lucasfilm was like, okay, we're not doing these comedy Star Wars shows anymore. That's why Star Wars Detours never got released. Despite them finishing uh-huh. so many they episodes. They finished an entire season, yeah. I think, and it never got released. And they're like, you're not doing the Star Wars, uh, the hyperspace hoopla anymore because it threw the characters together and made fun of them. And there were jokes about Luke and Leia kissing and things like that. And the Emperor <laughs> looked like a goofball and all that. Whatever. But their running gag there was that Kit Fisto never comes out because the Kit Fisto costume is so hot that he does fewer sets of meet and greets than the rest of the Jedi do uh, <laughs> in the park. So it's like layers and layers of like insider knowledge. But because of that, I have such a soft spot for Kit Fisto. Oh <laughs> you know? So he gets killed by the Emperor. I'm like, no, not you. <laughs> He at least puts up a little more of a fight than the other two. Yeah. But still, sort it's, very, of. it's very sad. He lasts like 10 like, more seconds. Yeah, like not very much. I remember Kit Fisto being made a big deal before episode three. I was like, oh, no, he's like the best swordsman mm-hmm. uh, other than like the other main character. Yeah. Uh, Jedi Masters or whatever. And then he had an entire episode in the original Clone Wars. Yes. And that was a badass episode. Yeah. And he's fucking badass. He's because he's aquatic. Yeah. Right, uh-huh. so he's like underwater swimming. His lightsaber looks cool underwater. Uh-huh. He rips his shirt off. Yeah, <laughs> I know he's got he's got pecs. Yeah, he's yeah. and that smile, that damn smile. I was oh, saying yes. the other day that he reminds me of Prince Sidon <laughs> from, uh, from Zelda. Zelda. The the Zora, oh, the Zora yeah, because yeah, he's the... got that same like twinkly grin that uh-huh. he does, and then like the fact that he's got those aquatic features and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I see that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a shame when he gets and Phil Lamar does his voice on uh, on Clone Wars, and he based his voice off of the spokesman for Seven Up from the nineteen eighties. <laughs> of course he did, because <laughs> I, I think the spokesman for Seven Up was from like Trinidad and Tobago, so he had this very distinct accent. So he used that accent for Kit Fisto. <laughs> I love voice actors. <laughs> Really do. It, it kind of works for him, it though. It really yeah. does. That's the thing. You know, when these guys who never spoke in the movies, like these voice actors, get freedom. That's how, like, watching Clone Wars, like, oh, so Twi'leks are French. Okay, I'll never <laughs> all of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> but in conclusion, yeah, I really enjoyed the first five episodes of Obi Wan Kenobi, and I, I was going in as a semi skeptic, but wanting to enjoy it. I was very glad that I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get into it before people turn us off. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. So this is part six. Uh, I have a summary here that I ripped off from TVLine.com, written by Keisha Hatchett. Uh, but I also made some significant edits, but, you know, shout out. After the heroes evaded Vader's attack on Jabim, the path refugees are running out of time, with Darth Vader's Star Destroyer hot on their tail and shields waning their hyperdrive refusing to cooperate. Realizing this, Obi-Wan decides to buy everyone some time for repairs by facing Vader again, even if that leads to his own death. Hugging Leia goodbye, Kenobi gives the young princess Tala's empty holster and promises her that he will come back. Does anyone else get Last Jedi vibes at this part because they're being chased down by the Empire and Mm -hmm. they don't have hyperspace and they're like, fuck, we're going to get caught pretty soon. A little bit, yeah. I thought that was funny. (laughs) I... Love Last Jedi vibes, so <laughs> yeah. come at me. No, I like that movie a lot, too. Yeah, so. Are we all Last Jedi fans in here? I have mixed feelings about it. I think people are way too I'd vile and toxic about it. Okay. But I also don't love it as much as, like, The Last Jedi stands, like, my husband 
Um, <laughs> I still know, like Empire better. Like there the are people who are like, Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie of all time. And I'm like, no. Like my it, brother. For me, for me. I'm not going to tell anyone their opinion's yeah. wrong. But just like, I don't really understand that level of hype for it. And there were things about it story-wise that were for me and what I wanted out of the story were a little disappointing. But okay, that's fair. I mean, everyone has those moments with Star Wars and, you know, but Some I always have those moments with Marvel. Right. <sighs> you know, so, you know, it is what it is. But like, I love Ryan Johnson. I thought a lot of the cinematography in that movie was beautiful. It um, really is. I, I think thought... it's the most beautiful looking Star Wars movie. for Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Might be the prettiest. Yeah. I've always said that Ryan Johnson is the best director ever to direct a Star Wars movie. Did he make the best Star Wars movie altogether? In my opinion, no. He made the second best, uh, but but I do think that like he is one that you know I I will go see any of I his movies. I think he's a really fine director. Yeah. I think he's incredibly talented. Knives I Out is fantastic. Out. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah. So like my issues were really just with story choices, but like in terms of his directing, like I don't have any issues with that. Mm-hmm. I. I think fifty percent of Last Jedi is fine, and the other fifty percent I absolutely love. Like I love all of the Ray Luke stuff. I mm-hmm. think it's perfect. I think you can't, and, and obviously that's the most hot button elements of that movie. People really hate it. I thought uh, the running out of fuel was perfect. No, that's. I thought that was the hot take. That's one of them. No, but my I mean, hot take is I actually really like Canto Bite, and I like that whole storyline. <laughs> I have the hottest take of all. That's pretty hot. Because the one thing that most people agree is like, yeah, but that part's not so great. I'm like, no, I love it. I love the idea of Canto Bite. It looks uh-huh. really fun. Like, and 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 it's a and it's a sector of Star Wars worth exploring. Uh-huh. And I think oh, they did a whole that book just that fun. explores it. Oh, perfect. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I think that's fine. The thing is, is like. For me, and, and this is true of sequel trilogy, is that it feels like imagine you're you're at your wedding day and instead of like dancing and drinking and seeing everybody and partying, you sat at one table table. Now I don't know how to say t- table. <laughs> you sat at one table. <laughs> you sat at one table and played a round of Uno all night. Mm-hmm. Like you'll have fun. But then by the end of the night, you're like, oh, well, shit, I think I really fucked this up because I had a good time. But this was my wedding. This was supposed to be way more epic. Like, yeah. we should have been doing something completely different. And that's kind of how I feel about the sequel trilogy as a whole, where it's like, none of it's like really bad. But why were we doing these things? We should have like all these characters are great and the stories are fine. The themes are there, but they kind of should have been doing something different mm. and maybe more grand and it, epic. Yeah, it, was, it didn't feel like this like grand adventure that the other trilogies did. This one no. felt like just one self-contained story. It felt like a series of like bottle episodes I, on a TV show where you got, you're like, oh yeah, that one was fine, but I can we can move on. We can ignore that one. My Why'd hottest that take one? is maybe that the sequel trilogy, in a perfect world where you know none of the important people died, maybe it should have been four movies. I know that trilogies are what it was all about, but it doesn't have to be a trilogy to tell a story. Though. Yeah, it almost yeah. feels like point, there was, yeah. and I think it's partly because there was no overarching direction for it from the beginning. I love Last Jedi. I love it. It is my absolute favorite of the sequel trilogy. And as a, as a movie on its own, it is, like I said, my second favorite Star Wars movie. And it feels like there maybe should have been two more movies after that one. Because yeah. 
I know I just said that I love the Canto Bite story, but I also do agree with the criticism that if you look at Finn in particular, his three film arc kind of stalls. I think that mm-hmm. I think that his arc in Last Jedi is actually very good. And I think his and Poe in particular, you know, everyone talks about, oh, they didn't do anything, and then they failed. I'm like, yeah, but that's the point. And, yeah. that, and I think that's fine. I think Poe needs to learn how to fail and, and get a little bit of a dose of humility. And Finn, you know, was in a coma between the first movie and the second movie. And I think him going from, you know, I'm just here for Ray to, no, I actually believe in this cause and I'm going to fight for it. I think that is a good story. But then when you only have one movie left and you're going to introduce, but not even really introduce, but say in a really confusing way that makes it sound like it's an unrequited love story. But really what we're trying to say is that he's force sensitive. Uh, it's confusing. It's confusing. I didn't know until I you know, read articles about the movie after we saw it. And, you know, a stormtrooper learning to fight for what he believes in against the organization that he's been in since birth because he was, you know, kidnapped as a child and then finding out that he actually is force sensitive. That's a great story that needed a little bit more room to breathe. Mm-hmm. It's also weird that he decided he was going to tell Ray that when he thought he was going to die. Yeah. Hey, hey, I think I'm force sensitive. Yeah. Except <laughs> like, the way he says it, what do you it sounds to do with like, that information? Oh, I have a crush on you. He's like, I need to talk to you in private. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want Poe to know. Why? Yeah, why? <laughs> None of it makes sense. C-3PO's gonna tell everybody. He's a blabbermouth. Which, you know, true, but still. But also, who cares? Yeah. Uh, you know. But at the end of the day, at least we got Babu Frick. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Babu Frick. I said this, you know, I, as He's much, coming back, isn't he? Yeah. Is he? It is either Babu Frick or members of Babu Frick's species who will be in Mandalorian Season 3. Uh-huh. It's a little unclear, but I'm still for it. <laughs> Here's my, whenever anyone says, you know, say something nice about a movie you don't like, here's my nice thing I say about Rise of Skywalker. The best joke in the entire Star Wars Skywalker saga, all the Star Wars movies, any of them, is C-3PO saying, Mm. Babu Frick, he's my oldest friend. (laughs) (laughs) That is excellent. (laughs) And at least that movie gave me that, because that brings me joy. (laughs) That movie had a lot of really good C-3PO. Yeah, I'll give it, it that. It's the best three PO movie. It made me like three. Well, Not they, that I, I ever like hated they were 3PO. about to kill them off. Empire Strikes Back is a great three PO movie. I was gonna say, oh, yeah, yeah. that's hard to beat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it just makes this like they they really nail three PO being this just such an annoying kind of necessary <laughs> thing. Like he has to be there. He's gonna annoy the shit out of you while uh-huh. he's there anyway. And they're gonna turn and, him off. And that yeah, <laughs> just, just turn him off yeah. now. And that's funny. They nailed that in that movie at least. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so back to Obi-Wan Kenobi, I yeah. guess. I was about to say, how do we get here? Sorry. <laughs> Last Jedi you vibes. Said, doesn't this remind you of Last Jedi when the... True. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> you, I, all I do uh, is derail podcasts. I, I'm going to give uh, I'm gonna give the room a warning. I have one more Last Jedi vibes later coming up. Okay, so we're going to talk right. about the entire sequel trilogy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. On Tatooine, Owen and Baru receive a heads up from a friend who has been grilled by Reva that she is on her way. Owen warns Luke to stay put and hide lying that Tuscans are raiding farms in the area again. But if anything goes wrong, he needs to run. I like how they're still trying to keep, like, the Force and the dark side and all that stuff, like, a secret from Luke. I love how much of a badass Baru 
is. Didn't see that coming and at all. She's like, yeah. we're we're not leaving. This is our home. Like we're standing our ground. We're standing our ground. <laughs> Let's get the guns out. Here are the guns I've been hiding this whole time. And <laughs> Owen's, Owen's, Owen's like, his what? dad's Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love how much this series fleshed out Baru and Owen a little mm. more. Like the fact that later on, you know. Reva says that Luke is like his own and he says he is my own, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. just seeing that he really did love Luke and care for Luke and just seeing how fierce Baru was in this moment was really cool, especially after I was recently reading. I haven't finished it yet. I'm close. The last book in the the Queen Amidala like series um, that E.K. Johnston, I think her name is, mm-hmm. uh, wrote. There's like a page in there. And I haven't really figured out why yet, but there's like a page in there about Baru White Sun and how she used to like help slaves on Tatooine like turn off their trackers oh. so that they could be free and not like blow up if they try to leave. So it was just really cool backstory on her and then to get her being badass in this this series and just see that protective mama come out, you know, <laughs> mama bear. I'm so excited to continue our Star Wars rewatch after, you know, now that we finish Obi-Wan Kenobi, we want to watch the rest of them. Yeah. The rest of the movies. I'm I'm very excited to be sad about Beru and Owen dying for the first time in my life. (laughs) (laughs) No, they fought so hard against that Inquisitor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they get so little time and and they are very kind of one dimensional characters in Star Wars. Yeah, they're like mean uncle and kind of understanding. I need to stay on the farm. Shut up and drink your blue milk. (laughs) Yeah. The only two people ever to actually get shot by stormtroopers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> They're only precise when they want to be. <laughs> Obi-Wan attempts to commune. Commune. That's a weird word. It's because I'm Catholic. Uh, Obi- <laughs> <laughs> the body of Qui-Gon. <laughs> yeah, we're good. <laughs> Obi-Wan attempts to communicate with Qui-Gon one more time, saying he needs to face Anakin. Whether he dies or his former apprentice does, this ends today. Roken is there to see him off, reminding the Clone Wars general that he doesn't have to do this. But the real confrontation is between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, so there's no turning back. I know we talked about this in our chat, but I just want to throw out from that previous episode when he calls Obi-Wan general. It's great. Oh, man. (laughs) There's something to be said there, because I always felt watching yeah, the prequels, like as they were coming out, I was like a kid to teenager, that it still felt so disconnected from the original trilogy. And like, I always kind of racked my brain as to why. And for one, it's like the prequels, this is very grand, big scale story because Mm -hmm. you see so many people and so many planets and it's, it's the emperor and the, and the Senate and the Jedi and all the politics. And then the original trilogy is really just about like this small band of characters running away from Darth Vader. Most of the time, Mm -hmm. you don't really see, any of like them you don't see Coruscant you don't see the Emperor that much uh, and so on and so forth but kind of in episode three you start to see some of that kind of original trilogy feeling and you don't really get a whole lot of it and then it, this show really blends the two together mm-hmm. being that it's like what 10 years after one and nine years before the other it's like right smack dab in the middle and you've got stormtroopers but you also have clone troopers and you've got you know UN is starting to look like Alec Guinness but he's still obviously Ewan McGregor <laughs> yeah Hayden Christensen in a Darth Vader mask like there are all these things that kind of start connecting them and that little detail like Obi-Wan Kenobi is a celebrity like people know him right you know he he was a Jedi master and a general for the clone in the Clone Wars like of course someone's gonna see him and be like oh general there you are 
You need to watch The Bad Batch. I'm getting yeah. there. Yeah. I'm making my way. I forget, how far are you in, in Clone Wars? I'm almost at season six. Okay. I watched a couple episodes yesterday. I want to make sure I don't spoil anything yeah. from like, uh, Clone yeah, yeah, Wars yeah. or Rebels. Yeah. When you started talking about like bridging the gap, I'm like, oh, Bad Batch does that so Bad well. Bad Batch does a fantastic cool. job I'm, of that. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm going to get there. Yeah. I just watched when Ahsoka gets like framed for murder. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. such a good arc. It's oh, my God. so good. Oh, oh and, my and, God. Clone Wars, I mean, under, I mean, not understated by us, but like understated in general, like how well the action mm-hmm. is yes. is done. It's mm-hmm. just like there's a chase scene, and Ahsoka's just like doing these amazing acrobats, and it's like yeah, it's all hand drawn and then computer animated, sure, but it's still impressive. Yeah, it also yeah. got better as the show went on. It yeah. was a little rough at the start. Yeah, but I'm season, in season three, f- I think, was when they redesigned the th- three or four is when they redesigned the characters. Yeah. And and then season seven looks fantastic. Having just watched it again, or, or at least the mm-hmm. final arc of that recently, oh my gosh, season seven looks so good. You put a shot of that next to the shot from the first season, it's like, eh, it's not the same at all. Yeah. Ahsoka in particular, I think her design improved immensely over the course yeah, of the I series. I love the CGI in, in those shows. Like, I think it's, yeah. I think it's really... They do a really good job. There's something about the texture that makes it look... Like, it's obviously... I mean, it's obviously like a CGI cartoon, but like at the same time, like... It looks almost the, physical. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You, it yeah. looks like it, it could be stop motion. Oh, because I think of the it's interesting is it almost looks like the textures are painted. Yeah. And, and, and which yeah. is a really interesting. And then Rebels has a different distinct. Don't like it. <laughs> I I didn't like it at first. I feel like when you start watching it, when, if you can try to appreciate what they're going for, which is they wanted to make it look more like the Ralph McQuarrie concept art. I, okay, I can see that. Uh, like Vader in particular yeah. is where it's most obvious. Uh, but a lot of the designs either look more like the Macquarie paintings or they took unused designs. Like mm-hmm. one of the main characters on that show is from an early unused Chewbacca design. Doesn't okay. look anything like a Wookiee, but that's where they got the, the design for it from. And, and, it, and, and it, it works. It didn't hit me till the other day we were at Hollywood Studios and in the Star Wars launch bay area where they have a lot of like concept art posters up and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was staring at the one that it's pretty well known Ralph McQuarrie drawing that this was the one that actually convinced Anthony Daniels to like sign on and BC3PO. The metropolis um, looking one? The one yes. where he's, uh, yeah, yeah, where he's just standing in the desert looking straight ahead at you. And then you've got what would become R2 in the back. Yeah. And he's got these little like flailing arms, <laughs> <laughs> which obviously R2, as we know him, like doesn't have. And I looked at it and I was like, wait. That's Chopper. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. That's that's where they got the influence from. The character you're talking about, the one that looks like a monkey. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, I, on the Zeb? guys. Zeb. I, yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I couldn't think of his name yesterday when we were looking I, at that art. <laughs> I haven't seen Rebels, but I, I, I know the artwork you're talking about. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, I guess I'm going to have to, when I get there in Rebels, I just feel like they softened. Everything looks really soft. It Light. takes some getting used to because yeah. it is very different from Clone Wars. It's Light. good in motion, I will say. Right. That is lightsabers yeah. are so skinny, <laughs> which again is it, it's evoking the original yeah. art, and and I think it's one of those things where you kind of have to do this with Star Wars in general, and I think with any long running series, I, I apply this to the MCU as well. And this has been something that like a lot of the, the Lucasfilm story group people have been saying for a long time is that when. It, you know, Star Wars is told in many different forms of media. It's told in the films, on television, in animation, in comics, in literature, in prose, video games, and video games. And you, 
people will ask them, well, no, in the movie, the line of dialogue was this, but in the novelization, it was that. What is the canon version? What was was actually said? And they tell you, you know, don't try to think of it that way. Don't get too hung up on canon, as in something actually happened. Think of that there is a story... And it's being told by many different people, and it's going to be told right. in different ways by those different people. It's like the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, th- that is literally where the word canon comes from, is right. talking about, like, what is the accepted, you know, because the, there are hundreds of books, I think, that could be in the Bible but aren't, and the ones that are, are Canon. They're the ones mm-hmm. considered canon by by the the, you know various Mencia. churches. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Games. Yeah, all the versions. <laughs> yeah, of the Bible. you know. You've, I, I mean, even even you know, still there are like four books in the Catholic Bible that are not in the Protestant Bible, and they're called the Apocrypha because I guess the Protestants got to name it. They say it's apocryphal. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, like the theory that Star Wars is all being told by R two D two. Yes, <laughs> like and what sometimes we're seeing, he exaggerates. Yeah, exactly. And what we're seeing, and he always paints himself as the hero. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> what we're and, and C. Theorbio is kind of a bumbling idiot. <laughs> but what what we're seeing is all a story being told by one perspective. Uh huh. And if yeah, you, the wills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so you read the journal, right? <laughs> Berta, I, I think you're probably the only one here who would have. But have you read the A Certain Point of View I, books? I read the first certain point of view, and, like, the last story is, like, an excerpt from, like, the Journal of the Wills. Yeah, and it's two Wills arguing about writing Star Wars this, down. Yeah. And it's basically them <laughs> writing the scroll, and the the one Will is like, wait, you're starting in the middle? Well, you're not even going to talk about Ahsoka and this person and that person? Like, I'll get to it later. Uh, it's very meta. Yeah. I actually, I later, I'll bring it up now, I guess. There is a story in the second one. So in the second volume, for Empire Strikes Back, there is a story about Yoda, and it's about Obi-Wan appearing to Yoda, and Obi-Wan's like, the boy is coming, and Yoda's like, it was supposed to be the girl. Yoda yeah. is very upset about this. He's like, the boy is too, you know, too much like his father. Is like, he's like, Leia is the one that I was supposed to be training. She was going to fix everything. <laughs> and... <laughs> I feel like after watching this show, I almost feel like Obi-Wan's probably sad about that because you know he's got a soft spot for Leia now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, I, I kind of almost want to go back and read that story again. And I almost feel like maybe Obi-Wan, because he likes Leia so much after all this, doesn't want to drag her into it if he can help so it. Like, all right, uh, Luke, you go do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, which brings me back to what you were talking about. This will get us right back on track. Talking yes. about, you know, O'Shea Jackson calling him general. I forgot that. The famous, you know, hologram starts with her saying, General Kenobi, you served mm-hmm. with. Right. And the prequels, we even talked about, like, we have a friend uh, that I always break up on these shows uh, when I disagree with him. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Brady, I love you. Uh, but he was like, I didn't like it when he called him General. The first time we hear about him, practically, He's called General in the original movie. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's literally that's the first, first mention. Yeah, General Kenobi, you served with my father in the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think it's one of those things that I didn't even think about him really being a general until Grievous saying General Kenobi became like a meme, you know? Right. But he is a general, and that was his title. He was a Jedi Knight. He was a master, but he was also a general. And to to civilians and to soldiers, 
that's what they would recognize him as. I, yeah. Now that you're mentioning that, you're like, I, I had never thought about it. It's right there in your face that he served as a general in the Clone Wars. Uh-huh. And it's like, man, the Clone Wars kind of wrote themselves, didn't they? <laughs> like, I thought so little that of that line. line that when they announced that the title of episode two was Attack of the Clones, I, like many other people, said, what a dumb name. I was in high school and I thought it was a dumb name, you know? <laughs> but I didn't make the connection to the Clone Wars because they mention it once in the first movie. Right. And it was not a, a fact that really lived in my brain. I still kind of think it's time. a dumb name. Oh, yeah. I, 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 still nope. think, I still think it's a dumb name. I will stand by that name all day long. That's, uh, a, deal, that's a hill I will die now, on. I have come to appreciate what he was going for. Yeah. It's, it is an old-fashioned name, yep. because that's what his Star Wars is to, to, to George yeah. Lucas, which I get. I appreciate that it is a throwback to the old serials. Uh, just like his vision of, of Indiana Jones, which doesn't quite jive with Spielberg's vision, you know. <laughs> but it's a throwback to the kind of movies and serials that he liked watching when he was a kid. And I get that. I still think it's not a great name, but I do appreciate it a little bit more than I did well, when I was first announced. put like an exclamation <laughs> Attack of the clones! Well, they didn't and, speak! It maybe should have. It's kind of like Bars Attacks. Or, yeah, uh, yeah, it kind of is. It always reminds me of the Max Fleischer yeah. uh, Superman cartoons. Yeah, yeah. It is very, you know, 1920s serial-esque. I guess I, w- I feel like how is Attack of the really all that different from something Strikes Back? Like to me, that's the same vibe. You know, yeah, Empire you're, Stri- you're not wrong. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's on par. Attack of I think the problem is this movie was made in a world where the movie Attack of the Killer Tomatoes already existed. <laughs> so when you hear Attack of the, you think of really cheesy movies. Okay. I've never it's heard a of cheesy movie. title, and that's, I mean, oh, that, that is what he was going for. I never um, watched the movie. I did watch the cartoon because every movie got a cartoon back in the day, but I used to watch the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes cartoon. Weird but bringing it back to Star Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. She keeps me on track. I, that title never bothered me because, and maybe this is giving George Lucas too much credit, but maybe it's not. Attack of the Clones, you have to think about it like, wait, are they attacking. The good guys, the heroes, or are they who are they attacking? You know, and like who are the clones exactly? And it like opens up all these questions, and those are the questions we have in episode two of like, yeah. wait, who are these clones? Where did they come from? Who asked for this? Like, who ordered these clones to be oh, made? Sifo Dias, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, the character we nobody all know knows. About. But at the oh. end of the movie, we find out, oh, the clones are fighting for the good guys, but then that's yeah. going to get turned on its head in the next film, you know, so like... They call know. that irony. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, I... Yeah. The real anyway, attack of the clones is Order 66. bother me. I think it makes sense. I love it. I think it's gr- yeah. I think it's fine. And not to talk too much about Attack of the Clones... Although we have been, it's, <laughs> it, big picture stuff. It's, I think it's a great idea. Like, yeah, the whole introduction of the clones, Grand Army of the Republic, all that's a big surprise. And yeah, the irony works as a layer on top of that because you know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. And making them the good guys was such a surprise mm-hmm. that, like, oh yeah, here are all these troopers. They look like stormtroopers. Uh-huh. They will become stormtroopers. We know they turn into the bad guys, but right now they're fighting with the Jedi. This is super interesting, and it sets up a great premise for the next movie. Uh-huh. I think all that's genius. Yeah. yeah. Credit where that's worth. Yeah. Yes. Then we get to how it was done on screen. Sure, yeah. And actually, <laughs> we talked... Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and we talked about this also on how, like, I saw a criticism, because I've been bringing up stupid criticisms as we've gone along with this show so far. <laughs> I saw a criticism about how 
the clone troopers should be CGI in this show because they were CGI in the movies. The one clone trooper? In like the in the Order sixty six flashbacks, flashbacks. Oh, oh. Yeah, I'm. I'm. No, it's brother. like I'm why? so angry right now. Why it, have you told me this? Why, why do you need to make them CGI? Because oh. it's a hot take. Is my point. They should have all been not CGI in the first place. That's the real problem. I want to bring up two things. One that goes back to the uh, the last thing we were just talking about, which was the titles of the movie. Uh, just a brief anecdote. I remember when Last Jedi came out. Someone asked Kathleen Kennedy, "Who's the Last Jedi?" And she says, "Why do you think I would tell you that?" And the, the reporter says that because in 1999, I asked George Lucas, what's the Phantom Menace? And he said, oh, it's Darth Sidious, the Emperor. Um, <laughs> spoiled everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Classic. Uh, such a George Lucas thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fucking love Darth him. Darth Sidious is the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Yeah, right. you know, because it's not really a secret. When you meet Palpatine, you're like, oh, that's the guy. Yeah, that's the guy. And when you see him in the hood, you're like, yeah. oh, that's the guy. Well, uh, it's it's not a secret until the movie comes out. Though. Exactly. Or, or it's not a secret when the movie comes out. It is a secret up until then. Yeah. But it was a prequel, you know, so it makes sense, you know, and was like, this is a story about how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. You know, the Emperor is going to be involved. Sorry, the another thing I've noticed is that in Star Wars Celebration, you know, they they have all these panels with actors, and everyone, whenever they talk about George Lucas, they all have a George Lucas impression. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then George said to me, oh, yeah, if you could just come over here and do it this way. Faster you know, and more intense. Faster and more intense, yeah. It's like poetry. It rhymes. It rhymes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but um, stupid complaints about this show. Um our friend Robbie, uh, those uh-huh. of you who've uh, who've listened to to my show Assembly Required, Robbie is one of our uh, hosts. But he has told me that he has seen many complaints, largely on TikTok, of people who are very upset how clear the show is making that Anakin and Darth Vader are the same character because they do not like that. They do not like that choice, even though that's the whole point of the entire first six movies. Wow. <laughs> They're like, Darth Vader and Anakin are supposed to be separate. Excuse me? O- only in Darth Vader's head. Yes, <laughs> which I, I appreciate that dichotomy in the... Uh, in- in Darth Vader's I, head, that is very interesting. Like I, I don't I understand I, the complaint. Yeah, I don't either. That's the thing is that people are like, the Obi Wan is making them upset because it's making it harder to say. But Anakin was the handsome, nice boy we love, and Darth Vader is the bad man who blew up Alderaan. You know, I don't want to think about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, personally, <laughs> well, Luke Skywalker is the son of Darth Vader. Yeah, but not Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Yeah, I don't understand it. I've not personally read these complaints i'm afraid to because huh. i will get upset it with humanity stupid that yeah. that would upset me no, yeah. i think it is a very interesting idea when it is done in universe with darth vader i i've read the uh thrawn trilogy uh the new canon stories mm-hmm. and the second one of that book it's told in two timelines one it's thrawn meets anakin during the clone wars uh but the other timeline it's Grand Admiral Thrawn and Darth Vader working together. But there is a little bit that is done where Vader is sort of the point of view character, and he only ever refers to Anakin as the Jedi. And I think that's really interesting. I like that. Now, the Jedi came here because they end up going to the same place. They go to Batuu uh, from uh, the theme parks. They go to that planet. They go there once, you know, during the Clone Wars, and they come back later to search for something else. And the storylines do intersect. But, you know, in Vader's mind, he's like, the Jedi was here with Thrawn many years ago, but the Jedi did that, you know, and he thinks of Anakin as a different person. 
And that, I think, is interesting. Because he killed Anakin. Exactly. Yeah. Well, right. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question now that you brought that up, because uh-huh. I was just watching that episode of Clone Wars. Does Admiral Tarkin know that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker? I do not believe he does. Okay. And if he does, it is something that he keeps to himself. I I would need to... I know there's a book that is about Tarkin. Yeah, right. I would need to read that to really know. That's probably the only place that would ever... Um, most people do not know. I I remember you talking about this on your first Where's Mephisto about this. I, I was listening to that actually earlier today, and uh, it's oh, like yeah, a closely it guarded is a secret. very yeah, closely right. guarded secret. I remember a lot of people were freaking out about how does she know, and I remember thinking, oh, she knows because she was a kid, and yeah. that's and I was like, and they she also ha- showed it. I was like, and she yeah. ha- she hasn't told anybody, and like that's our first clue about who uh, she is that she knows that Anakin is Vader, and I did not. You know, guess where they were going exactly with that, and like what her motivations were, which I thought was a very interesting choice, uh, which I, I really enjoyed. But yeah, most people do not know that Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader are the same person. And if Tarkin ever figured it out, he was smart enough not to bring it up. Gotcha. Yeah, because my that's my impression is that like he first of all he is very smart, and yeah. he's very conniving, will very meticulously make it so that he ends up on top. He stole right? credit for the Death Star. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but he works closely with Anakin a lot in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly Anakin's gone and here's his new fuck. Like, uh-huh. he's pretty high up there. He's, he's yeah. not far behind the Emperor and here's this new guy. Like, uh-huh. I feel like he might be able he, to figure yeah. that out. He gives Vader orders in A New Hope, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because he, they I very, think he outranks Vader. They have very different jobs. I yeah. think he may outrank him on the Death Star. Yeah, Maybe. yeah, yeah. I think it's because Moff is a civilian title, uh, so he's not actually part of like the Imperial Navy, like a lot of the, you know, the other officers we see on the Death Star are, because mm. uh, Moff is like a governor of a certain region. Gotcha. So he's very, and as a Grand Moff, he's very close to the Emperor from a civilian government standpoint. Well, he was an admiral in the Clone Wars. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that what Leia calls him, Admiral Tuck? And I thought I recognized her. Yeah. Foul stench. Yeah. So he's both. <laughs> yeah. When she's mad in her British accent. Because <laughs> that last half a movie? One more scene. Yeah. <laughs> it dies with Alderaan. <laughs> I love her story about how, you know, when she's angry, her British voice comes out. Because yeah. that's where she went to, like, Carrie Fisher went to school or something. Uh, Shout out to um, Shelby Young. Uh, she's a voiceover actress who is playing Leia now in the Lego Skywalker saga stuff uh-huh. and in the the game that just came out. Does she do the British accent? On purpose. Yeah, she <laughs> and then she kind of phases it out over that's, time. That's, yeah, that's she uses cool. it for the Brilliant. first part of the game and then drops it as the game goes on. Oh, that's such and a good someone, like, little meta joke. Someone called it out and she's like, "Thank you for noticing." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Thrawn, the way when he figures out cuz he keeps pressing Vader kind of gently throughout and Vader's like denying it and then finally Vader says, like, in no uncertain terms, you are mistaken. And Thrawn, his response is something like, I am sorry. You were very clearly not the Jedi that I met back then. Which gives just enough wiggle room for him to be uh, like, okay, I'm right. I'm just not supposed to talk about this, so yeah. we're going to move on. Yeah, Thrawn's a smart guy. He's uh, not going to say anything to get himself killed. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. The Grand Inquisitor notes an escape craft, leaving the transport with one life form on board, but urges Vader to continue pursuing the refugees since this is their last chance to wipe them out entirely. Vader, however, is laser-focused on Kenobi and orders his ship to be prepared. As Obi-Wan braces for what he believes will be their final showdown, they will of course meet one more time, 
He finds Lola in his pocket. Leia must have hidden the droid there while hugging him. Clever girl. <laughs> thought that was funny. Jurassic Park wrote. reference? I love <laughs> didn't write that part. <laughs> Do you think she snuck Lola in his pocket to make him feel brave? I don't... What? Well, he had said it? earlier, because she said that, you know, Lola takes people's mind off of it. Yeah, like, makes them, like, feel better. Yeah, and, stuff, and yeah. he goes, oh, maybe I should borrow her. Uh, she took that to heart. Uh, That's so cute. That is very cute. <laughs> Their relationship is so sweet. I love Obi-Wan and Ben Kenobi. Their friendship goals. Who knew? <laughs> I love how the show justified naming her son Ben. <laughs> like, yeah, I really 100% did. believe yeah. that she would name her kid Ben now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Not only that, I mean, I was always okay with it because it's like Obi-Wan saved everybody that day. Mm-hmm. That he yeah. uh, that he died, like including Han and Leia, their both their lives were saved because of his sacrifice. Yeah, and we focus on Luke and his relationship with Obi Wan, but like even before the show came out, and we didn't think Leia knew him very well, and Han doesn't know him at all. Basically, <laughs> just thought yeah. was some crazy old man. Yeah, Luke is also the only one that seems like shaken up by it. Yeah, but like, <laughs> and well, actually, doesn't Leia come over and like? She pats his him. back a little yeah, bit, uh-huh. but she doesn't seem right. She doesn't really but seem she also phased. just lost her whole planet. So yeah, she's What's probably one more. She's <laughs> yeah. probably kind of numb to all yeah. this right now. Yeah, that is true. I said this show is a six episode justification for why Leia's theme plays when he dies, <laughs> and because he gets struck down, and the music goes and he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. it also makes the scene make sense. Not that it didn't before, but like when Luke is rescuing her. And he says, I've got Ben Kenobi with me. And she ben goes, Kenobi. Ben Kenobi. <laughs> and I'm sort of like. That perks her up so much. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just assumed before that it was like, she either already knows that he goes by Ben or she heard Kenobi and was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the same guy. Ben Kenobi. Okay, cool. You know, but now there's like some layers to it. Yeah. Now that, they now that we have this been, show. Ben, I asked for Obi-Wan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he, she means old Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Obi-Wan old Ben uh, I can see how whisper down the alley you'd get confused <laughs> I've thought of a lot of this show as explanations that we didn't need mm-hmm. but the context is welcome you know it's appreciated yeah yeah. a and lot of times that annoys the hell out of me yeah like Solo <laughs> yeah I mean I've, I've complained about Solo a hundred times well, you know be- yeah, about the because... movie or about how he got his name well mostly that did you know that that's the reason Bob Iger <laughs> greenlit the film that's weird that then, scene then I that, bring that did up you think it was hilarious whenever, or something whenever anyone brings up Solo I bring that up and I'm sorry you've probably seen this in the discord I've brought it up in yep. the films from the Phantom Zone discord I should discord. get a nickel every time he brings this up <laughs> you would have so many nickels uh, but yeah, no, Bob Iger read that scene and was like, oh yeah, no, this is great. We should make this movie. This is amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> then it's a toll that he ha- you have to pay then to get the movie because I think the movie's a lot of fun. I but, like the movie a lot. I think Ron Howard might have saved the movie. He deserves Interesting, something yeah. for going in there and, and salvaging, and salvaging yeah. it and, and making it a not only a watchable film, but an enjoyable film. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm I looking wanted forward a solo to revisiting trilogy. it. It's the only Star Wars movie I've only seen once. Really? Mm-hmm. Not you, counting the Clone Wars movie. You just I said did that you, not care for what about Rise of <laughs> You just say you saw Rise of Skywalker just one time. I saw it twice in theaters. Oh, oh okay. Because <laughs> we went on opening night, and then we went again with her parents like a week later. Gotcha. Okay. You don't I like Solo? No. Oh. I didn't. Li- I mean, I didn't like it the one time I, I saw it either. I did not love the dialogue. I just didn't get particularly invested in the story. 
it sucks because like I thought the guy who played Han was pretty good and Alden Donald Einreich. Glover as yeah. um Lando was Alden great. Aaron Reich. He um, he was a very good young Lando actually. Yeah, yeah he was, he was great. playing Billy D, which yeah. is great. Yeah. And I, I agree with great. people who have said like, hey, Disney Plus, if you're ever gonna do a Lando series, like let's do we'll, it. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I agree with that. Yeah. Um and I like Amelia Clark. You know, I'm a Game of Thrones fan and you know, I think she's incredibly talented and everything, but I don't know. The movie just didn't hit for me. What's okay. crazy is there are a ton of things in Solo that in a vacuum I think I I would love. It has a lot of what I like about Star Wars in it. Mm. But just as a whole, it left me feeling kind of eh. I just felt uh, like I didn't need it. Granted, I had watched this before I watched Clone Wars, but I knew that Darth Maul was still alive. But I still hated them bringing Darth Maul into the movie for one scene with zero explanation. Well, apparently they were supposed to make more solo movies. Yeah, it seems like the storyline. I feel like they need to go back to that. My 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 strong feeling about that is that if they had done anything to set up him appearing at the end, besides naming his crime syndicate after the color red, um, <laughs> it could have worked. Because I think you have to understand that there are going to be people out there who don't know that Darth Maul is still alive and just going to be like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, if they had done anything, like even just one single line from Paul Bettany about how, you know, the man I serve has defeated death. You know, something to like build up that he yeah. works for someone who is terrifying and powerful. Mm-hmm. And then the reveal that Darth Maul could have been really cool for everybody. But as it was, I think it was only cool for people who've watched Clone Wars. Now, I have watched Clone Wars and Rebels now, and I love Darth Maul in a way I never thought possible. Yeah. Uh, he's a fantastic character. Amazing how they pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. Like a character who's just kind of like a brute in episode one. Yeah. They gave him so much, not only to do, but they gave him like backstory too, and you he get a depth and he's yeah. smart and you wouldn't think he's smart because he didn't he doesn't come across smart he comes across as just like no he's very skilled and talented and he's just like a he's like a dumb jock of well, a, of yeah, a Sith. the only thing he really talks about in phantom menace is oh we're gonna we're gonna get our revenge uh-huh. alas we will <laughs> reveal ourselves to the jedi alas we shall have revenge <laughs> but yeah solo was full of what i i call prequel bullshit which is the uh <laughs> explaining things that don't need to be explained and the way that it's done in solo that it didn't work for me is that it was questions i never asked and answers that weren't interesting <laughs> whereas what obi-wan kenobi has done is it has addressed some things from the original trilogy that aren't like weird explanations of oh you know how did obi-wan kenobi get his hut although we do see him moving out of his cave yeah right but it's not play like a grand reveal of, and there's the hut. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, but instead, it's like it interrogates, you know, some of the questions of, you know, when I last left you, I was but the learner, or hell, the thing that made no sense after one more movie, which was him calling him Darth all the time. Uh, you know, it <laughs> deepened some of those things as opposed to being like, and we have to explain this and we have to explain this, but it, it explain why he's called Ben now. Uh huh. <laughs> it really just felt like the writers are like, okay, so we're telling a story set in this time. What questions are presented and what interesting answers can we give to those? And, and I think for, by and large, they did succeed in all of that. Uh, which is why it didn't annoy me the way that Solo annoyed me in those ways. I do think that if I watch Solo again, 
with the lowered expectations of having seen it and not liked it before, I might be able to hopefully enjoy the parts that I do like of it. I mean, it's a, a fun little bit adventure. More. It is yeah, a fun adventure. I like a fun adventure. I actually really love the opening sequence with like the crime boss worm lady and all that. You it, would like that. It is that exactly the kind of thing I would like, you know? Because it's weird. Uh-huh. I love weird <laughs> out, Star Wars. Out of everything in the movie. <laughs> uh, it's like, That's the best part. Well, it's like Book of Boba Fett, which I thought was, all right. I loved the finale because the finale was like, and then the Rancor attacked Mos Espa. And he was riding it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was like, this is just fun Star Wars stuff, you know, so. Okay. Yeah. But how would you feel having seen Clone Wars and knowing that, like, Darth Maul is not just, like, running an underground crime syndicate. He's kind of running all of the crime syndicates. Yeah. And they set a movie in this time period about a crime syndicate, and they don't mention Darth Maul. Then you'd be like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. The thing, I mean, yes, it w- it makes sense when you look at the grand story of the many episode, you know, seasons of Clone Wars and Rebels. Well, you have to remember that most people haven't watched those. Sure. They should, but most yeah, people haven't. Because yeah. I had seen all that, and I was like, I wonder if Darth Maul is going to show up in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so one or two lines really would have gone a long way to setting up that reveal as being a oh wow. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All fair things. Back on on this scene. <laughs> Do you? Um, we're in what the third scene? <laughs> we're something like that. Actually, actually. <laughs> given where my cursor is on the side here. Part of me feels like because, uh, you know, the Grand Inquisitor is like, no, let's get all these people. Don't worry about Obi-Wan. Vader's like, forget those people. Let's get Obi-Wan. I feel like they could have done both. Are they not the Empire? <laughs> yeah, send another ship after all those people. Yeah. Call, call one of your many other Star Destroyers <laughs> because you both are, like, very much in charge. Don't they have a fleet? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> How obviously, big is this Navy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously plot reasons, but I just thought that was yeah. funny. Yeah. I don't know, Darth Vader is like, we must bring the entire Star Destroyer to follow him. And then I'm going to go take care of this myself. What, that's <laughs> While you he, sit here in orbit. He gets right. He gets on a ship and just leaves. And the rest of the Star Destroyer is just like, I guess we're waiting well, most here. Most TIE fighters aren't capable of uh, long Yeah, they don't have distance. hyperdrives. Yeah, but they didn't have a hyperdrive. I mean, I think they must have figured it out off screen. But <laughs> anyway. The other bit of Last Jedi vibes I get is their, the beginning of their confrontation. Because I think Obi, or I think Vader says something to him like, "Do you come to try to turn me or something like that?" Mm. And Obi Wan's like, "Nope." <laughs> Just like Luke. Just like Luke and Kylo. Yeah. The vibes I got from Last Jedi in that scene were all the rocks. Yes. <laughs> rocks too. Yeah. <laughs> so many force rocks. rocks. <laughs> a lot of rocks. Oh, it was yeah. very. You know. You know what vibe I got was Dragon Ball Z. I was like, "Oh, they went to a random <laughs> rock desert to have a fight." <laughs> And so they're just going to blow them all up. Yeah. yeah. So that they can throw rocks at each other. No and collateral no, damage. No collateral damage. There's nobody living here. If only Superman took that advice. Uh, yeah. I, look. I'm, I, I'm holding my tongue. I will I will what? allow going off the rails within the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Bring in Man of Steel and it's over. Anyway. Okay, guys, it's me again. It's Arnaldo. That was so much fun, but it goes on for another hour and like 10 minutes. So that's it for part one of this. Uh, Like I said, part two will be available probably in a few days on our Patreon, or uh, I'll probably throw it up on here uh, in a week or two. 
um, when I've got some space and time. So if you like this, you had fun, you can check out Where's More, Where's Mephisto on our Patreon. That's linked below, uh, where we also have an outtakes episode of Films from the Phantom Zone. So check that out if you'd like. And thank you. Bye.